0: FedEx Forum, Growl Towels, Super Grizz, each one a Memphis Grizzlies tradition. This is the Grizzlies Podcast.
1: What's up, everybody? We are back with another week of the Grizzlies Podcast. I'm your host, Evan Barnes, typically your Memphis football beat writer. We are joined by DeMichael Cole, your Grizzlies beat writer at the Commercial Appeal. Um, We are recording this barely... 12 hours after DeMichael probably left FedEx Forum after the Grizzlies won their season opener 115-112 in overtime over the New York Knicks, DeMichael let's jump right into it. Just what were some of your early impressions of just that first game? We're going to get into some some cool things about the atmosphere some things we like, but just quick impressions of that first uh first game. A lot of kinks need to be worked out, but just what did you think?
0: Yeah, it it was a good start. You know, all things considered. I mean, there, like you said, a lot of kinks need to be worked out. I mean, at the end of the day, the Grizzlies had a 19-point lead in the third quarter, and you gotta figure if you got defensive stalwarts like Dylan Brooks and Jaron Jackson Jr. available, they're not probably not gonna blow a 19-point lead. More than likely. So there's little things like that, but I mean, there are also some positive signs. You had, you know, John Conchar. Four made three pointers. John Morant, three made three pointers. Santi Aldama, three made three pointers. Desmond Payne, three made three pointers. Four starters making three or more three-pointers. This just wasn't something that you just you seen, you know, with this Grizzlies team uh commonly last season. I know Taylor Jenkins has talked a lot about, you know, wanting this team to focus solely on three getting up a lot of three-point shots and getting to the rim a lot. You know, the mid-range shots will come if they're open, but the goal is three-pointers and layups, and we kind of saw that being emphasized in this game.
1: Yeah, and I'm actually I'm going to try to pull this up a little bit to see last year because they took, if I'm not mistaken, I'm looking at the statue now, they took 53-pointers yeah. last night, and I believe, if I'm not mistaken, again, I have to pull this up to see, but the Grizzlies did take – Um, that's a high number for them. So that was definitely an encouraging trend. Actually, I'm pulling it up right now. 50 was their season high last year, and they came early in the season. So a good start to see if the Grizzlies are going to become a team that puts some more threes. That's that's a good sign there. Um, I think for me, obviously, besides John Morant's heroics, and I think we can – should we just go into Josh? Ja should we talk about? Yeah, that's what some people want to hear. Man. I mean, Shanti, we got we got to start with Josh. Ja. Let's go. Yes, that's,
0: I mean, that's where that's where things start. That's who gets the ball first after the tip. Uh, it's it's it was the, it was the John ja Morant. <laughs> as I said in the story, it was the John ja Morant show. You know, that's who the people. You know, you got all these people coming to the games, and and you know, I saw before the game. We'll get more into this later. But Jalen, Jalen Ramsey was on. I believe it was on uh, uninterrupted, and uh, he was talking about why he was coming to the game. And you know why he was coming to the game? I mean, of course he wanted to see the Grizzlies. But specifically, he said to himself. specifically, I want to see John Morant in person. He said, I want to see what the hype is about. And um, whether it was the two-handed block, whether it was the nifty behind-the-back pass that turned into a no-look from, you know, John Morant said he got that, you know, uh, pass from Chris Paul. So the little Chris Paul special that he that he put in the game. Whether it was the three-made, three-pointers,
1: No, he, he got a show. Yeah, I mean that. Let's be. Let's go back to that block. I think the block in overtime where <sighs> it was, I believe, one hundred eight, one hundred eight. Um, Jalen Brunson's coming down court. Ja once again got his chase down block on. Came down, put on the, the the Jets as he turned on the Jets as he said after the game, blocked Brunson. The crowd was going crazy, and then Ja comes back down court, throws an alley oop to Brandon Clark. I mean, there's your first highlight. There's second, really second highlight yeah, after that.
0: After that assist, there's a lot of highlights when he's playing.
1: But <laughs> was, there's, you know, that was definitely the play that one of the plays that went viral last night. Uh, mm-hmm. But again, it's Jaws' world. Obviously, you know, good first game for him. You know, second straight season opener. You heard the MVP chance for him again. That's mm-hmm. that's old hat by now. But again, just like last year, Ja put on. Jaws set the tone. Ja came out, did what he needed to do. Kind of the second half was a little slow, but. Still ended up with a, a strong game, I believe. Thirty four th- points, th- 34, nine assists, 9, yeah. Yep.
0: And Three threes Yeah, just going back to that block, right? What impressed me because I I, I live in the moment, so I rarely <laughs> rarely will I ever be. Oh, this is one of the greatest blocks I've ever seen in my entire life. Right, right. right, right. In that moment, I'm like, okay, this is this is pretty cool. But let me go. When I watch that block in live time. I don't. I didn't know how he blocked it because if you now going back and looking at the replays, but I thought this in live time too. Jalen Brunson, when he goes up, he kind of goes up in the center uh, of the rim, so you don't know which hand he's going to use. You don't know if he's going to go up with his left hand. You don't know if he's going to go up with his right hand, and you don't know which side of the rim he's going to finish on. John ja Morant was in the air before he even knew which side. Jalen Brunson was gonna finish the basketball on. So if you look at the replay, John Morant's right arm goes up first just in case he tries to finish with the right arm. And then Jalen Brunson, like a smart guy would, uh, we saw Ty Jones do it in, earlier in the game and actually convert. But he switched to the left hand and Jaws left hand in this, and he put the right hand, you know, just moved the right hand over and he got a two handed block. I mean, it's just some real, I think Taylor Jenkins used the word altitude.
1: I thought that was a great SAT word, by the way. Altitude. <laughs> like, go look up your words on that one because that was great.
0: Yeah, I, I, I've never seen someone use the word altitude when when describing. You know, we've heard gravity and and things like that, but altitude—that's a new one. But that's one that I mean, John Moran is the type of player that could evoke you to use something like that.
1: Yeah, and again, just looking at the play and just great, great, again, great heads-up play, great athleticism, altitude, as 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 Taylor James put it. I still think, obviously, the Lakers block was. Probably for as far as like just height play. Oh my gosh, a six dude putting yeah. two hands on the rim like that. That was the top board. of the backboard. Yeah, yeah, that was still that's still the pinnacle of the jaw chase down block. But that was still an incredible play. Um, again, and it was also timely because again, Grizzlies were tied at the moment. Jaw makes that play and it comes down, leads to an assist. And you can even argue maybe of the highlights. The ones that were most important were the assists, like the assist to Brandon Mm -hmm. Clark, the assist to Brandon Clark here on the LEU. Two to Brandon Clark. And even the assist assist to Tyus Jones to put the Grizzlies up three in overtime. So Ja's passing, obviously, it's good to see that being taught of as much. That's one of the things about Ja that's always been there is his passing. So a game where, again, you look at the plus minus, he was plus one. Again, plus minus is subjective. Ja took over that game when he needed to. And again, that's what you expect. Again, we had some people asking questions about you know jobbing in those moments. And in year four, you've come to expect John ja Moran to do these things. So that was a really, really good tone setter for him. Right. Let's get into Santi Aldama, because I think to me, that was maybe the most intriguing. Because you, you've watched this team a little bit more than I have. I've I was skeptical on Santi to kind of you know be in that starting role, kind of seeing what, you know, what would his confidence look like? How would he look playing against mm-hmm. NBA pros in a 48-minute NBA game? And Santi looked looked pretty ready for the moment at least for the first game I thought
0: Evan uh I'd say I'd probably since the end of of last season I've watched Santi closer than any player Mm -hmm. on the team even even John Morant and you know there was summer league and just watching him watching the growth watching you know what what plays was he confident doing watching you can tell when a player is thinking throughout a play and things like that what things came natural to him and 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 that's why it was pretty clear to me after the first, you know, after media, that. that's why I wrote the story about why he's the front runner to be the starting power forward way back then. Because it was clear that, one, he was going to get the opportunity, and two, he had the traits that they value. Defensive versatility, shooting, playmaking, all those things are I mean, and we saw all them in this game. We saw the defensive first too. We saw him guarding, you know, guys like Obi Toppin. Uh, then the more powerful guy like Julius Randle, and then being on the perimeter, and you know, with. Uh, R.J. Bear driving to the rim, altering his shots and things like that. We saw the playmaking. Did you see that nifty pass he made mm-hmm. to to Stephen Adams? Mm-hmm. Uh, Stephen Adams got fouled on that play, but Santi Aldama dropped it right in his hands for you know easy uh, opportunity, scoring opportunity there. And then, of course, the shooting. We saw it all throughout the preseason. And he comes in this game, 3 of 8 on three-pointers. So another another day he makes three threes. And, you know, I think this guy – uh, confidence is the word and, and that's the buzzword with him. And we talk about it all the time there. You can't be successful as an NBA player without having, you know, that, that confidence when that ball's put in your hands to make those certain shots. You know, you just, you just think about it at the end of the day. That's, that's all it comes down to. If you watch these guys in practice, Evan, you see it. I see it. They make all these shots. They, they they take ten shots. They're gonna make eight out of ten more than likely. I mean it's it's nothing. But when the lights are on and and there's more pressure and things like that, things change. But Santi Aldama is really answering the bell well and uh quite frankly, I think the power the starting power forward position while Jaron Jackson Jr. out is out is becoming, you know, one of the, the least worrisome things when when during the off season it was
1: the number one uh, point of topic. Well, like we said, let's, you know, one game, obviously both of us are well-versed in this. Let's see, you know, how Santi faces, you know, going forward. But, again, great first impression. I Again, I was impressed. I was someone who was very skeptical, but he showed me, like, okay, he can hold this down. He's got the skills, like you said. I'm very curious to see how he, you know, continues to perform over these next few games. So there will be some ups and downs, but I think mm-hmm. consistency, again, we'll see. But I think he set a foundation where if you're a Grizzlies fan, you should be confident that, hey – Santi will have more good than bad days, I think, holding down that four spot.
0: Yeah, and he, he has a level head, too. You know, mm-hmm. uh, I remember in, in Summer League, for example, mm-hmm. uh, he had he had a couple bad games. and fans were saying things, and, and people just in general were saying things about him. Then he comes back and has two really big games in Summer League, and I'm talking to him. I'm like, it's your mindset now. You know, you kind of just proved a lot of people wrong. Mm-hmm. And just watching how level-headed he was, and he basically – his message to me at that time was, look, whether – I have 30 points, or whether I have two points, I go to sleep the same way, and when I wake up in the morning, I'm preparing for the next day, and that's consistently been his mindset. Because when the preseason happened, he had that that first big game in the preseason. I think he had 14 and eight in mm-hmm. limited minutes in that first preseason game, and everyone was like, "Wow." He looks good. And it's like, Santi, how do you feel? Like you're you're about to be a starting power forward in the NBA. And he's like, uh, oh, you know, I did good, but you know, moving on to the next game and things like that. So I think, you know, that mindset is is really gonna help him too. He's not a too high, too low type guy where you see a lot of guys, you know, especially young, right? Yeah. You come in, yeah. you miss one shot and it's like, oh my God, I just messed up my opportunity uh to to impact the team and to really make an impression. But that's why I think even when you you see a game, he has seven points, two rebounds is in foul trouble and things like that, it it's not gonna bury him and, and really, you know, be something that he consistently does. I think he he's in a
1: good spot. Definitely. Well let's get right into the atmosphere. Obviously the game was uh, a chance for FedEx Forum to get full again, you know, to see the fans back. Um, I want to go back to the Big River Steel Terrace. I got to see that for the first time before the game. I got a little bit of a tour, walked around. That is great. Like, I think it's going to be a great addition to Grizzlies games, to Memphis basketball games, to concerts. Um, it's wide open. It's very spacious. It's a nice feel. It's a different feel when you're sitting in your seat. It's, it's great, but just kind of just stand around and be casual um, I think it's gonna be great. I know you got a chance to look at it too, but I saw that. I was I like that. And it just kind of added to like the cool atmosphere of, you know, everybody was back to see this team. ESPN was here, but more just that Memphis was there, you know. Like I, I think, you know, this Tigers basketball season is gonna bring that out too. But when the Grizzlies are coming off of this great year, you saw the energy, you saw the fans, you saw Team Morant getting in his groove again. I miss seeing that. Um, and then as you mentioned, obviously. Grizzlies had a special guest with Jalen Ramsey in the house. LA Rams cornerback, uh, Super Bowl champion, um, and Ja actually told us, you know, kind of how uh, that happened. I mean, what did you think about how Ja kind of, you know, casually dropped, you know, how Jalen reached out to him to get tickets for the game or come out to the game?
0: Yeah, Jalen just just told him, I'll I'll be there. And and not only did he come, you know, I saw him after the game as he was leaving the game, and he had his whole like entourage with him. I mean, Jalen Ramsey came probably like ten guys. And, and they were deep. And, I mean, and he was enjoying the game. You saw John ja Morant score on, on one of his layups. He went over there. He daps up Jalen Ramsey, who's sitting <laughs> courtside, you know, like right under uh, one of the baskets there uh, close by the Knicks bench. And, I mean, Jalen Ramsey after the game said what pretty much a lot of people say when they go to Grizzlies games. He he, he said it, it lived up to the hype. You know, he said he wanted to see what the John ja Morant hype was about. But there's a bigger picture thing here, you know, I, I, I when I was – asking John Morant after the game, you know, what's just what's this like? Because historically, you know, I grew up in Memphis and, you know, people would come to games from time to time, but uh, it would only be like playoff games right. there, or it, right. would, it would be, you know, when people were performing or, or you know, it, it always had to be something in a dish door. It was when Kobe Bryant came and, mm-hmm. and, and things like that. But now, I mean, the Grizzlies are the main attraction no matter what. And you you have NLE Chopper, who even came to a preseason game, you know, mm-hmm. uh the rapper from Memphis and Project Pat performs, you know, at halftime. You got Big Boogie, another rising rapper, you know, from Memphis as well on that CMG uh label with Yo Gotti. All all these, you know, locally born, uh culturally impactful Memphis people really just levitating. Towards Ja Morant and and what he's doing, and it's it's a bigger picture there with with the the impact that Ja is having, you know, on the Grizzlies, and and now you're talking about people like Jalen Ramsey in the in the middle of a week, you know, coming down on a on a Wednesday to watch, you know, the Grizzlies. I mean, it, it it says a lot, and and you see a lot of you know, pros from from different sports interacting with Ja, but the Grizzlies, I think the Grizzlies are going to a, a whole another level a whole nother level on a on a national uh stage because of this
1: yeah absolutely I think it's it's fun to watch because obviously one of my thoughts this year was are fans ready for the Grizzlies to be national like last year was kind of like the rise to that national and it became comfortable but like are Grizzlies fans going to be ready for this? Because it's going to be commonplace to see, I think, guys like Jalen Ramsey. I think it's going to be more commonplace to see more players and more people come out to see what the buzz is about this team. So I think that's going to be fun to watch as the season unfolds. DeMichael, I want to ask you about these rookies. Um, Obviously, David Roddy was the first one off the bench. Jake LaRavia played, he had his first shot. Um, What did you think about how the rookies were utilized? Obviously, with the short rotation, there was going to be a chance for the rookies to play more. What did you think about how they looked You know, in their – NBA debut? Yeah, I mean, not too
0: bad, but, you know, you, you just can't have high expectations for those guys at this point. Uh, I, I actually spent a lot of time before the game just talking to David Roddy, his comfort level, uh, how he's adjusting. And, and the guys are adjusting fine, but, you know, there is a speed difference. There is a physicality, you know, difference here. And quite frankly, they're being asked to do a lot. Jake Laravia, when he came in the game, John Morant points. He says, you got RJ. You know, hey, welcome to the NBA. Now go guard RJ <laughs> Barrett. You know? <laughs> David Roddy's in the game. He's he's not getting, you know, easy defense assignments either. Either. So uh both of those guys are, are being put to the test. And uh, I think even on offensively, Jake Jake Arabia comes out. I mean he switched that first three pointer that he made and and that was big for him because I thought he struggled in the preseason a little bit with his three point shooting. But uh the game is going to come to those guys. I, I I like to say, look, you can't have high expectations for them at this point. Remember Zaire Williams? Last year, one of the worst NBA players, yep. you know, from an yep. advanced stats perspective early in the season at this point, you know, last season. And then Santi Aldama, I mean, he played 32 games as a rookie. He wasn't even playing and didn't, didn't get one start. And we saw, you know, his uh, first game as a starter. So, With all that being said, you know, I think defensively they're ahead of the curve as compared to where they are offensively, and that's where you hang your hats on them uh, right now. So hopefully you get, you know, those Zaire or Dylan Brooks back soon so they can kind of help out the bench because that's that's that was the struggle, right? You had two rookies coming off the bench, and um, you had Cam Reddish almost outscore the bench by himself because your scoring is going to mainly come from Tyce Jones and Brandon Clark at this point when you have two rookies and Xavier Tillman Sr. Uh, being your other three uh, players on the bench. So – I think they're just good complementary players. Defensively, right now, the offense will come along over the course of the season.
1: Definitely, and I think, you know, as we've, you know, we've talked about this before, with the Grizzlies being such a veteran-heavy team, you're not going to expect the rookies to be major contributors on this team. Like, obviously, with a healthy Dylan Brooks, healthy Zaire Williams, those men's for Roddy and, and Larry are going to go down. But I thought it was a good taste for them to get comfortable and get their feet wet a little bit. Um, I did think that... Um, with John Contra getting a start I thought that was good for him good for him to really kind of you know show what he can do and again I'm I have you know my concern with Contra again is you know kind of he's gonna have to step up a lot more now with D'Anthony Melton gone but again just sticking with the rookies I think fans understand that it's going to be a case where the Grizzlies are going to lean on their veterans whatever you get from the rookies this year will be great but it's more of a hey you know, get their feet wet. We're gonna probably need them maybe in a year or two as this rota- as this roster kind of gets sorted out. When you know John Jaron are both under second contracts, as well as Desmond Bain. So I think this is a good way for them to get their feet wet, and we'll see where they go. But I don't again, like you said, I don't think we're gonna see a lot of uh of rookies. You know, being major contributors as we maybe have seen with like Bain and Zaire. That probably would.
0: Yeah, assessment. yeah, it's it's a it's a long game move because the team is deeper now. It's, this team wasn't as deep last season than the year before that. Uh, I mean, in fact, you can make a very solid case when everyone's healthy. When Jaron Jackson Jr. is healthy, when Zaire Williams and Dylan Brooks are all healthy, the second unit we we know what the starting lineup would be. The second unit would be Tyus Jones, mm-hmm. John Conchar, Zaire Williams, Santi Aldama, and Brandon Clark, which. We know Taylor Jenkins is very adamant about at this point of the season he likes to play ten man rotations. He
1: likes to play that all the time. Let's be clear. <laughs> I mean, yeah, he's comfortable with.
0: Yeah, he, he kind of shrunk it in the playoffs and you know in certain situations, but those ten man rotations are you know that's his thing, and there's just not going to be room for those guys to consistently play. So you know, of course, injuries and and stuff like and that, like you said, that's where they'll make their marks, and and it's good to have first round picks as you know backups of backups so that's a pretty good safety blanket I'd say
1: yeah and I think too also the Grizzlies are kind of on a I wouldn't say they're doing exactly what the Warriors are doing in this regard but in this way you have two, kind of like two timelines you have your veterans that you're trying to you know build this core together and then you have these rookies you're trying to develop and bring along together which the Grizzlies have done such a great job with player development I bring up the Warriors only because the Warriors are kind of doing it on a bigger level where they have their main core, but they're also trying to get their younger players like Moses, Moody, James Wiseman together. The Grizzlies aren't aren't technically doing it on that level, and they don't have the pressure of the the Warriors trying to repeat as champions, but they are trying to navigate this like twin timeline of you have your main rotation players. You got John near Ford, you got Bane and Zaire that you want to see grow into that level, but you also have your four rookies on this team that you obviously are valuing, but you're going to bring them along a little bit more slowly. Um, and I know people are going to be excited about them, but let's be honest. If this team is going to be a contender in the West, they're going to have to rely more on their vets and less on their rookies. So it's how they're going to develop this, these two timelines um, will be a fascinating kind of subplot, I think, uh, to this season. Obviously, you know, the Grizzlies now have a couple of games coming up. You know, they they, they start the season playing four of six. Um, obviously, NBA season is a long grind. You, you got to pace yourself out. What do you think about how this these, these, this early stretch is going to do for the Grizzlies physically after obviously playing in such a tightly contested overtime game where Santi played 39, Ja played 38 minutes? How is this early stretch going to test this team real quick? I just think people have to manage their expectations at the end of the
0: day. If the, if the Grizzlies come out and have a clunker in one of these games, it's probably going to be less about talent and more about look. It's early in the season. These guys just had an overtime game in their first game. They traveled the next day. Then they played the back-to-back the next two days. Then they're going to travel again on Sunday. Then they're going to play a game on Monday. That's tough for anyone. And I think that's what it comes down to. You just have to understand once those guys get rest after Monday, they'll get you know two days uh, before that next game on Thursday. Then they'll be able to get into the groove. But I think that's what it comes down to. If they play really well, I mean, they're really well conditioned, but you just can't expect them to be well or like a well-oiled machine
1: during this stretch. Absolutely. And again, early in the season, no Dylan Brooks last last game, the season over. Obviously, he would be day to day, correct? Yep, day to day. Zaire Williams mm-hmm. as well, day to day. No Jaron Jackson for a while. There's going to be games where you, you feel those misses. Obviously, they felt them when the Knicks rallied, but that's all part of this early part of the season. And again, remember the old NBA rule. I think a lot of, of media mentors said this: it takes about 20 games to kind of figure out the season. So everything is going to kind of be you know instant reaction here and there, but give it some time. The first season, the first season opener was great, but. It's hard to get a read yeah. on everything until we get into about like the 20 game mark or so yeah. of the season. So, like you said, they started eight and nine last year. Exactly. Mm-hmm. You know, I was I was watching that everybody was kind of like, I don't know. And the next thing you know, the Grizzlies mm-hmm. went on their run. So time will tell. But again, great start for the Grizzlies. We're gonna wrap it up right there. For DeMichael, I'm Evan. Stay tuned. We'll be back next week. We'll have more coverage of commercialappeal.com. Check out DeMichael's stuff. Check out Mark Giannato's. Uh, column from the season opener as well. And uh, we'll see you next week. The Grizzlies
0: podcast is a production of the commercial appeal.